The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. You rescued us, Father, so we can stand and sing that. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Would you increase our understanding of your rescue, of the freedom we have in you, uh, and, and of even what it means to be your child today? Would you, would you strengthen us through your word now? I pray in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Wanted to add just a little bit to uh, what Josh said about the meeting uh, membership idea class that we have. Um, and uh, afterwards, well, we usually do it back behind the kitchen. We have a, uh, not a huge group sign up, so we're scheduling that for my office. We can move it again if we have to, but my office is a little bit more homey. You know, it's pretty doggone nice in there. You're going to like it. Not only that, we have more than just cheese and crackers. We have cheese. I don't think there's any crackers. We have these little uh, uh, wraps. Yeah. And grapes. And there was something else on there. Strawberries. Thank you. Uh, that's that's right. So, hey, it might be everybody's going to want to rush in there. But even if you didn't sign up, you're welcome to join us. What we'll do is just take a little bit of time, talk a little bit about the church for about 15 minutes. We have about 15 minutes of questions, if there are 15 minutes of questions. And then we go home uh, with our cheese and strawberries that are left over and have a fine young time. But anyway, that my office is back in the corner. Josh pointed back there. Yeah, right there. Uh, back by the back doors back there. And you're welcome to stop by. Even if you just want to, like, pick up a little membership thing we pass out and leave, you don't want to hang out with us. I won't be hurt. Just a little bit, maybe. Okay. Galatians chapter 2. Pretty pumped about this sermon, I got to tell you, because we're going to start with, we're going to start with, yeah, that. Uh, got to work on our timing there just a little bit. But uh, Galatians chapter 220 has always been one of my favorite verses. Again, if you've hung around church world a lot of your life, you're going to recognize a lot of it. Here we go, okay? Uh, the apostle Paul wrote and he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go King James on you, okay? Ready? Nevertheless, I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, I really do. I love that verse, and it's pretty exciting. I think for many people, uh, we look at that as the key verse of Galatians. We might even look at it as the key verse to the Christian life uh, to understand this idea that Christ is alive in me uh, somewhere in there. Um, but but when you really think about it for a second, first of all, if you've never heard that verse before, or even if you have, sometimes it's kind of, okay, that, that sounds cool. I mean, I could say that pretty excited. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But what does that mean? What does it mean that I am dead and yet I live? When we've done the baptisms the last two weeks, I was talking about that idea from uh, Romans chapter 6, where it says that we are buried in, you know, in the likeness of his death, but we're dead to sin and alive to walk in newness of life. And we talked about that, and that's awesome. What does that mean? 
Um, you know, I get weird little things pop up on my YouTube because of watching different sermons and uh, different uh, baptism bloopers come up. <laughs> what do you do for fun? I watch baptism bloopers. Okay, I need a life. I know. Uh, but uh, one of them, this guy's doing uh, a baptism, and uh, he asked the young lady, actually somewhere in her 20s probably, but for her testimony, and she says, I want to be baptized because I just no longer want to sin. I'm never going to sin again. Kind of like I'm going to be dead to sin. And I thought, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> if I could promise that, get baptized, you'll never sin again. We'd be lined up, man. We'd have a conveyor belt going through the water and back, back up. Let, let me jump on the board. So what does that mean? Okay, I'm dead to sin, alive in Christ, but doggone it, I still sin. I mean, I, I, I trust Jesus, but I still worry. You know, so what exactly does that mean? Now, we're going to dig into that. And we're going to see that we'll come back to the end of Galatians 2. But let's go, first of all, to the beginning of Galatians 2. This is verse number 1. Paul's writing, and he says, Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, uh, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of the revelation that was set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles. I'll come back to that in a second. In order that to make sure that I am not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be, I'm sorry, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Okay, now let me uh, go back through this here for a second. Uh, Paul had done his first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas had done their first missionary journey. Remember, we talked about that last week. They went and they shared with the Gentiles. Paul's a missionary to the Gentiles. He shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He told them that faith in Jesus Christ, not of works, lest any man should both, boast, was the key to a relationship with God and the key to eternal life. Faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. Okay. Now, remember, he had some opposition to that. They didn't like that. So there was a time, and what he's talking about there, he is he goes up to Jerusalem to the leaders of the church, and he talks to them about it. They have a big conference. You can read about it in Acts chapter 15. They get together and they have a little meeting there and they discuss this whole idea. Hey, can the Gentiles really get saved or do they have to follow the Jewish law in order to get saved? And the conclusion was a resounding no. Salvation is by grace alone. They don't have to follow the law. Uh, salvation is a free gift of God and comes up uh, like that. So now, uh, so he says, okay, we went up there. Even Titus is traveling with me. And then he says, yet, because of false brothers who secretly brought in, it's kind of weird, espionage, uh, into this new church who slipped in to spy out our freedom. That sound kind of weird? The freedom that he was talking about, freedom from keeping the law, he said they came in to spy it out, you know, to kind of dig up some little dirt on, on what Paul's preaching here in the church. Uh, that we that we have Christ Jesus so that that we have in him that we might bring us into slavery we just sang I'm no longer a slave but they want to bring us back into that bondage of the law to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment. Now, I wanted to talk and, uh, or stop and talk for just a minute here. And this isn't the main idea of the text or anything like that, but I thought the way he navigated that was interesting. He said, there are folks that are trying to tell us you got to keep the law. He said, we are not yielding our freedom to them, not for a second. Okay, and just, and this is something we're going to get into more as we go into the Galatians. There are places where we do if you want to say we can't yield our freedom, 
Now, the Bible says, in fact, we'll read this in Galatians. We are to stand firm in our freedom. We have freedom in Christ. But there are some places where I can actually yield my freedom if it helps somebody else, if it really is going to help somebody else. But what we get into a lot in the Christian life, and again, if you're a little bit new to it, you might not uh, get what I'm saying here. But if you've been around church world for a while, you understand that there are people that are offended about pretty much everything you can do. They find a reason for offense. They differ from person to person. Yeah, I don't really like it when you do that. Uh, You shouldn't do this, you know, and this is bad and everything like that. And everybody has their little rules that they go with. So we have to navigate. When should I stand and say, you know what, I'm free in Christ, thanks. Or when can I yield my freedom to help somebody else? And largely, the rule that I want to go with is if it does help somebody else for me to yield my freedom, then I should yield uh, that freedom. But if somebody is just giving me the old, I'm offended. Listen, listen, I hate that. Here's why. The word offended means to be caused to stumble. It doesn't mean it rubs you the wrong way. I got, I think this was a joke. I thought it was kind of funny. And this may be a point of offense to somebody, but a couple weeks ago we did the trunk or treat. I think this was a joke. Somebody texted me. I didn't track it down to know where it came from. It came from a number I didn't know. They texted me a thing that said, God knows that your Halloween party, I'm sorry, that your fall festival was really a Halloween party. <laughs> so I just thought it was funny. Uh, if you meant it seriously, you have to retext it and tell me how serious you are. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes in things, there's always going to be somebody, and we cannot yield our freedom to everybody who has this little thing. Seriously, we wouldn't do anything. So, but Paul had to navigate here, and one of the things he says very uh, clearly, I'm not going to yield to these folks because here's what they're doing. They're adding to the gospel. We talked about that last week. I'm not going to yield to this business of of, uh, following, uh, bringing the law back in and telling people that they have to keep the law in order to have a relationship with God in order to know Jesus Christ. I'm not falling for that. Forget it. That ain't, uh, I ain't going there. So to them, we did not yield so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved in you. For from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Uh, so here's these leaders of the church. They came in. They seem to be influential. And they're saying, you need to follow the law. Those, I say, who seem influential added nothing to me. Now, and he goes on, this I find interesting. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted to the gospel to the circumcised, Peter's writings are to the Jewish Christians. Peter's ministry, largely to the Jew- Jewish Christians. Paul, missionary to the Gentiles. So he kind of sets up that division there. He says uh, to the uh, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me and mine to the Gentiles. And then he says, when James and Cephas, okay, another name for Peter there, uh, James is the half-brother of Christ, and John, these leaders of the church who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me and said that you should go to the Gentiles, okay, and they to the circumcised. So they had their little meeting. You, you following this? They talked about it. Okay, can, can we minister to the Gentiles or do they have to become Jews first? Well, even James and Cephas and John said, no, they don't have to become Jews first. You minister to the Gentiles. We're still here ministering to the Jews. But uh, right hand of fellowship, go for it, guys. Paul and Barnabas, go for it. Okay, now, but, but 
Only they asked us to remember the poor and the very thing I was eager to do. That was good. Now, when Cephas came to Antioch, okay, this is Peter now, another name for him. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Doesn't sound like a very fun party. Anyway, uh, the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews. Okay. Let me come back to that in a second here. You get the story. Okay. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but here it it is. So Paul has ministered to these folks and, uh, and he's there with these Christian, these Gentile believers. Peter comes for a visit. And Peter's like, this is awesome. These people are Christians. We're enjoying this. We're having fellowship. But then some of the leaders come from the church, some of the Jewish authorities, some of these influential people. And Peter's also all of a sudden like, do I know you? <laughs> I don't think I know you anymore. Uh, so in other words, you, you ever been there where somebody, you know, you're, you're their favorite person in the world until somebody more important is there, and then, then they disappear? Well, Peter pulled that stunt. Okay, Peter was living with the Gentile believers, those who trusted Christ, knew that they were every bit as much a believer as he was and enjoying that. But then some of the church leaders came from Jerusalem to say, hey, wait a minute, these are Gentiles. And Peter was like, what, me? I don't know. I don't talk to any Gentiles. Uh, And so it says Paul got right in his face. Now, I want us to take a minute and think about this idea about Peter here for a second. Because, well, first of all, we want to remember that religion is often the enemy of faith. Maybe I should use the word ritual. Maybe I should use the word ceremony. But what happens here is they're bringing in their religious ideas, and it is in direct opposition to faith. Okay? So Paul has to get in, yeah, Paul has to get in Peter's face and say, come on, buddy, this is all wrong. Okay? There is not something alone that is wrong with ceremony or ritual. Like if we were to practice, or maybe you do have some rituals, if you want to say, or ceremony that you practice, those things are not wrong. However, remember that those things are to give us a picture of Christ. I uh, visited with a small group last week, and I found I had this picture in my office of my wife and I. Uh, and, uh, gotta tell you, we are adorable. <laughs> uh, I, I really like us, but, uh, but anyway, I kept coming in the day after small group and finding this thing upside down, uh, on the table. Now talk about offense. Uh, yeah, it took, turned me upside down like that. I found out that they were using it for a coaster, but, um, <laughs> And I forgot to put it back up. Kind of hurts my feelings just a little bit. But I was thinking, and again, I don't want to be offensive with this at all. This is something you do. But uh, I've heard of people who do this, you know, somebody that they're away from, a loved one, or maybe somebody's even passed away, and and they will, uh, they'll kiss the picture. Okay. I got to tell you, when my wife is gone, she was gone Friday night. I love her and I miss her. But I ain't running around the house kissing no pictures. <laughs> I just, it just doesn't do a thing for me. Uh, you know, now, maybe it does for you. That's fine. But it's just kind of like, yeah, that it, this just ain't the same. This is a picture. It is not the person. Uh, I'll kiss the person when she comes home. I'm not kissing the picture while she's gone. Okay. I just think it is sad when you have to substitute the real thing. And that is what ceremony does. And that's what you really have to be careful of with religion. It is not, you know, let's say, for example, you want to light a candle when you pray. 
Okay, that's fine. If that really, if that helps you in your spirituality, uh, talk to God and everything like that. But if I think I lit a candle, so now I don't have to pray, or I think I went through this religious ceremony, so now I don't have to worry about my relationship with God, that's where the problem comes in. I've substituted that in there, and it often becomes an enemy. And I want to say that you, you have noticed around here, we're not very ritualistic. Okay, um, I was thinking, you know, some year I wouldn't mind having, a, we're not really planning on it this year, but like the Advent calendar, or, or what's that thing called, calendar? What's that thing? Candles. Uh, I'm, not, I'm good with that. I, I would even, you know, if some year we thought, hey, there's a certain festival we'd like to celebrate just to remember what they did. I'm good with that. I'm, I'm not criticizing those things, but I do think you need to watch and be careful that that religiosity does not become a replacement for our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, second thing I want you to notice about Peter here for a second Peter got the spirit, <laughs> got the spirit, amen, but he still had the flesh, okay? The apostle Peter is one of my favorite Bible characters. Probably many of you like him too. Partly, Peter was just one of those guys, he was, he was out there, buddy. <laughs> whatever, whatever Peter was, you saw it, okay? Jesus walking on the water. Hey, I'm down with that. Let's walk on the water. Uh oh, what am I doing out here? I'm sinking. Uh, Peter was like jumping in on everything. Uh, you're gonna be. You guys are gonna uh, forsake me. Not me, Lord. Not ever. Get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, you know that that type, that was Peter though. He was jumping in. He was enthusiastic. Uh, hey, they come to take Jesus. Peter draws a sword. Uh, cuts off the guy's ear. Slow down there, Peter. Now Jesus has to heal the, heal the guy. If you don't know those stories, this is just Peter. He was rambunctious. He jumped into things. Excited uh, about things. What you see with Peter that is, oh, by the way, most, most notably, Peter denying Christ. Remember that? Okay, you were with him, blankety blank. I was not uh, with him. I never knew him before. You know, Peter was good at that. Now, but after the resurrection of Christ, there's a new Peter. Okay, and you, you follow Scripture, you will see somebody that now in Acts chapter 2 is powerfully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will see him going on through the book of Acts, being arrested, uh, but boldly proclaiming, I don't care if you put me in jail or not, I cannot help but speak the things uh, that Jesus has done. I've got to do that. Okay, uh, and, and he's arrested for that. Now he has this boldness and this confidence. Uh, Jesus Christ has risen. The Holy Spirit now resides in his heart, and he's living a totally different life. But what I want you to see is this happened after that. Okay, yes, Peter is much more mature. Yes, Peter is spirit-filled. Yes, Peter, Peter's changed, but he still ain't perfect. Okay, he still does this where he gets there and he wimps out again. Okay, I want you to kind of keep that in mind because that illustrates what we're going to get to now as we move to the end of the chapter. All right. <sighs> Hadn't done one of those for a while. Okay, now, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Okay, this is Paul talking again. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus. Okay, we're Jews. We are justified the same way as the Gentiles by faith in Jesus Christ. In order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Don't miss that phrase. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. There is none righteous. No, not one. No one is good enough. Go on. Boom. But if our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Basically, okay, if, 
I'm justified, but 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 I'm still a sinner. Does that mean you know Christ is is good with the sin, or what? What's that mean? For if I rebuild what I have torn down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. I'll keep going here and then come back. For through the law. I died to the law so that I might live to God. Okay, here's that idea again. I am dead to sin, alive to God. Okay, then he says, our verse number 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That's a powerful phrase there, too. We looked at a little bit last week, that idea. If righteousness could be obtained through the law, Christ died for no purpose. Terrible miscarriage of justice. Now, let's go back here to this idea of, okay, so what does this look like? Okay, this is awesome that uh, now it's Christ who lives in me. That's, that's the life I want to live, this, this new life, this Christ life, this grace life, uh, this Christian life. But what the, Okay, so what are, you, what are you talking about, Pastor? What does that mean? That sounds good. Uh, let's tear it apart a little bit. Now, I wrote down uh, on the outline we passed out, if you have one, there are five points. And I want to go through those real quickly. Uh, I was going to spend more time on them, but I actually have four other points I want to spend time on that I added in there this morning. So here's the five points that I just some conclusions to look at, some ideas. Number one, we have peace with God, but we're still at war with sin. Just we want to remember that, okay? God has made us right with him through the blood of Jesus Christ and our faith with him. However, war I'm sorry, sin is still at war with us. Okay, we'll, we'll talk more about that idea. Now, Christ lives in me, but sin lives in my flesh. Okay, I got these two forces there. Sin, oh, oh let, me, let me back up for a second to that, that idea of uh, Christ lives in me, but sin. I, these are two ideas that I want to grab a firm hold on. And if I can, y'all ever lugged around a five-gallon bucket uh, filled uh, five-gallon bucket of paint. Ever do that, Kim? Heavy, aren't they? Uh, pick one up. Do you know, uh, there's been a couple times I painted a lot, and I'd be carrying in two five-gallon buckets of paint, and somebody would say, can I help you by taking one of those? What's my answer? No. <laughs> it's the worst thing you could possibly do uh, because then I'm out of balance, okay? I got the whole suspension bridge thing going if I have two of them, and, and it, keep, it keeps me in balance. But carrying one of, go, one of those is going to throw my back out. Okay, so I want to have both. I want to have a firm grip on both. I think it is very important that we have a firm grip on both of these ideas. Christ lives in me. Boom, that's true. But sin lives in my flesh. I've got to understand that too. And I think a lot of times if we take one of these ideas and not the other, we're going to get out of balance. It's going to mess us up here. Okay, let's go to the third idea that we had, again, in the notes. Sin is not my master, I am no longer a slave to fear, but I am also no longer a slave to uh, sin, but it is still my enemy. Um, that little girl that I mentioned at the beginning that said she wasn't going to sin anymore after she got baptized, the pastor did take time to explain to her. He said, first of all, when we trust Christ, we are delivered from the penalty of sin. We're in the process right now of learning and growing and being delivered from the power of sin. Someday, we will be delivered from the presence of sin. He went over and explained that to her well. But for right now, it is still there. It is still my enemy. You're a new creation, but still shaped by experiences and temperament. 
Okay, you could throw in some other words, their culture and everything like that. Those are still part of our life. The uh, I would love it if any addiction that you have, physical addiction, went away instantly upon salvation. That would be a wonderful thing. I would like that. But these things are still part of who we are. They're still part of that flesh that we have. Um, there's a young man <laughs> that hates my guts. Uh, but um, there, there's a young guy. He was a student of mine. I, I really loved the guy, and I honestly did. But he was dating my daughter. And uh, <laughs> uh, like that. But uh, as they became more and more serious, I became more and more concerned. Although I loved him and, and uh, wanted to see him succeed, to be very honest with you, as a dad, I saw some things in his background that, I w- that scared the woogies out of me. And, uh, you know, and I was kind of like, uh, I don't think I can get excited, excited about this. And, uh, you know, so here it is. He is a Christian. I want to help him and he's growing in the Lord. But at the same time, I saw these things that were still part of his life still part of the danger zone and that's how we are we we all have you know why do I still lose my temper you know it didn't honest it didn't suddenly go away why am I still prone to worry why do I re- really still struggle with this uh, those things are still part of who we are so living we are living in the body by faith in Jesus Christ I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live it's not I but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh the Apostle Paul said. So I am living in the body, but I am living also with the Spirit living inside of me. Now, here's the, uh, the idea. As I was going through this yesterday, I like better than the one originally I had. So let me throw this at you. We're no longer a POW, but we're still a soldier. Okay? To begin with, we are the prisoner of sin. Okay, it reigns and rules in our life. God sets us free from that, but he doesn't then bring us home all the time. He puts us back in the battle. Okay, kind of just grasp that concept. Okay, I am free from sin, but at the same t- time, it is no, no longer uh, that I am you know, looking from a cage uh, or from a prison as a POW, but now I'm back in the battle. I'm still there. That's what happens when I get saved. So kind of visualize it like that. See that. A second thing, and maybe more than anything, if you can just get this, I want to take sin's presence seriously, but I want to take the Holy Spirit's presence seriously also. Okay, both of those things, again, here's our two handles, here's our two rails of the Christian life. Sin is real, okay? Sin is real. We are in a fallen world. We have a fallen nature. That's where we are. We're going to continue to see this. Sin is real. I get a grip on that. I don't want to take that lightly. I don't want to trust myself, if you will. Uh, you know, I could never fall again or anything like that. I have this sinful nature. That That is still going to be part of where we are in this nasty now and now, but I also want to take the Holy Spirit's presence seriously in my life. And each day I want to yield and say, Father, I need you. I want to see him working. I want to see him guiding. I want to look for his, his presence in my life. For the Bible says that the Spirit of God indwells a believer. He's there in my life. So I want to be aware of that. So I want to take both of these ideas very seriously. Yes, sin is still around. But yes, I have the Holy Spirit. And the only way I can make it in this life is through that power of the Holy Spirit. i got to rely upon that. But those, both of those things are still a reality. I also want to grasp a couple things here. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 14, 6, it says this. I'm sorry, 4, 16. Uh, uh, so we do n- uh, not lose heart. This is right at the end of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Apostle Paul wrote this also. He said, we don't lose heart. Though our outer shell is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
I think this is such an important idea that we grasp is we're, again, we're living this life in the flesh. <laughs> Fun to get older, isn't it? Fun to get old. <laughs> They're not, yeah, I had a 31 year old tell me how hard it was to get old. I want to beat the living daylights out of them. But, uh, but it, it is, uh, you know, on, honestly, there's, uh, <laughs> you know, this flesh is just that. Uh, when you go into chapter 5, this is at the end of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. That's where the Bible talks about the idea that this tent, it's a tent we live in now. Pastor Josh, if you'd like to tell any stories about tent camping. Curtis, you got any good ones? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I can't wait till the next time he preaches. There's got to be a story in there about their about their adventure. Uh, I still say somewhere along the line they must have snuggled, but I, but I can't get a confirmation on that. It was so cold out there. But, uh, but anyway, the whole idea of tent camping, is that temporary thing. And it might be a fun adventure, give you some good stories to talk about, but you don't want to live that way the rest of your life, okay? That's where we are now. We are temporarily camping out, if you will, in a tent. Uh, And this tent is getting more leaks in it all the time. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little too graphic. But uh, this tent has, has problems, and, you know, we're getting older and stuff like that. But he says, don't lose heart. Though that tent that you're in, this temporary life is wasting away, and it is hard. I get it. Inner self is renewed day by day. There is a life beyond this life. That inner self, that real you, the real that lives for the you that lives forever in Jesus. You're still alive there. The second verse I had up there, also from Second Corinthians, you might uh, Paul wrote and he says, "So to keep me from becoming conceited because of surpassing greatness of the revelations, these things he's preaching, a thorn in my flesh was given." A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect through weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest in me. Okay, the idea is, once again, we are in this flesh now. Okay? It is not pretty all the time, okay? It is deteriorating, if you will. But at the same time, God is renewing within us and we grow stronger spiritually. And even though there are times when God is going to say to us, hey, I have decided that what you need right now is my grace, not my touch of healing or anything like that. Uh, I'm going to be made, this is temporary. This isn't everything here, okay? So therefore, uh, I will be glad for my weaknesses because in that Christ can be glorified. So yes, it's a, it's a, it's a rough go now. Now, one last phrase I want to try to develop here for a second. I wrote this quickly. Did I get the grammar right? Believe the truth with which, ow, where's the word you? With which you have been trusted. I don't know why, but after I did that, I thought I need to go back in and check that. I felt uncomfortable with it. I forgot the word you. Uh, I just added that this morning. Believe the truth with which you have been trusted. Can you work that in there, guys? But, um, but a- anyway. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, all right. And if we could edit this on the video, that'd be good. Uh, just take that whole, th- whole thing out of there. All right. I forgot what I was saying now. Okay, here's what I mean by that. There is always a fear um, with, okay, let, let, let's do this. You got your kids, and um, you're going to Disney World. Well, just wherever you're going. Disney World, okay, and you've spent your thousands of dollars. You get down there. You check into the hotel, and Junior's being a brat. So you say to Junior, if you don't straighten up, 
you are going to spend this entire vacation in the hotel room. You are not going to Disney World. Now, I don't know if Junior believes you or not, but I'm sure you don't believe what you just said. <laughs> we didn't spend multiple thousands of dollars to come down here and have him sit in the hotel room. Uh, you know that uh, there's not much teeth to that threat there. A lot of times we think that, uh, you know, even as pastors, I got to put some teeth in this threat. You know, hey, God does not going to like you if you behave like that. Uh, you know, you don't, you know, if you don't do this, God's going to be mad at you or anything like that. And when you preach the grace of Jesus Christ, which we're going to see more and more as we go through the book of Galatians, when you preach that, it's like God is trusting you with this truth that, you know what? My approval of you is not based on your behavior. My approval of you is based on who I am. I love you. I gave my son for you. But, but, but I've done this, this, and this. It doesn't matter. Do you see what I mean? That's kind of a scary truth to trust you with. It's like telling your kids, it doesn't matter how you behave, you're going to Disney World anyway. No, you got to lie to them and say, you're not going uh, if you behave. But God trusts us with the amazing truth of his grace. He says, no, it's not based on works. It never has been. You've never been justified by works because his grace is so good that if we really grasp that, that would be enough to change our lives right there uh, that if we understand how incredibly good he is. But God trusts us with that truth. Isn't that amazing? His, his grace is so good that we can, that we can trust that, uh, that he says, I believe that I'm going to give you this truth. I'm going to let you know that you are loved. I'm going to let you know that you can't, you're not earning my approval. But I, I want us to wrestle through this because we, we often still go back to that idea. Okay, I hear it all the time. Oh, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I wrecked my car today. It's because I didn't have my devotions this morning. <laughs> Man, I'd be going through cars. Uh, <laughs> another one. Uh, I don't think the insurance companies would have had me anymore. The, uh, you know, and we, and we kind of th- have still all that mindset that somehow I've got to be good enough to earn God's favor. And that's not what the Bible teaches at all. It gives us this life of grace. But grasp this reality, folks. Grasp this reality. You're crucified with Christ, but the life you're still living in the flesh, you're still in the flesh. You live by faith in the Son of God. Let's get a grip on both those things. Let's set both those rails well for our Christian life. I need to understand that right now, I'm living this life in the flesh. Okay, right now, this flesh is deteriorating. Right now, this is a sinful flesh. I have this. But this life I live by faith in the Son of God, and those things have to go hand in hand. Okay? And as I grow more in my knowledge of it, yes, I mentioned at the beginning, I trust God, but sometimes I still doubt. That's true. I was thinking about that even this morning. I was walking the dog and trying to pray about the message this morning, and in the midst of it, some thoughts came in for give me something to worry about. And I thought to myself, yeah, I do trust God, but, but sometimes I don't. And that battle, that struggle, if you will, is still going to continue. And I want to make sure that you have a grasp on that because the enemy is the one who is constantly going to tell you, hey, you're never going to make it. Why don't you just pack it in? I mean, he's going to hit you uh, over and over. And I say this from experience. I hear that voice in my head. How many times are you going to mess up? How many times are you going to mess up? And God says, I have some grace for that. I have some grace and I have some forgiveness for that. And the enemy says, yeah. How many times are you going to push God on that? 
I believe we have something that's called amazing grace. I believe we have something that's called endless grace. I believe that there never was a point where I was going to earn God's favor. So why should I think that that point is coming in my life? God's incredible grace point in my life, it is a gift from him. Can be, can be earned no matter what. Okay, so we're walking the Christian life. You got it? I want to have a firm grasp on this idea. This is a life I'm living in the flesh. Okay, that's where I am now. There are some realities that go with that. I understand that. This, this flesh is messed up. Okay, it's deteriorating. But I live this life by faith in the Son of God. So I, in the flesh, by faith in this new life and this spirit he has placed in me. Get it? Okay, it, it, honestly, I get pretty excited about this because this is almost like just a, just a building block here in Galatians. We're going to get into this more. What does it mean to live in this freedom of Christ? I get pretty pumped about getting able to teach uh, the book of Galatians. Worship team is going to come back out. We're going to sing that I'm no longer a slave again, okay? Okay, I'm no longer a slave, okay? I'm out of the cage, okay? I'm out of the cage. Now, the war's still going on but I'm out of that cage because of the freedom in Jesus Christ. Father, uh, you know, once again, I get, <laughs> I get where I get so excited about something, and I think, hey, man, how can I communicate this? And then I realize, eh, I probably can't. I, I you know, I'm going to do my best. But I so much need your spirit to continue to minister with this truth and teach us. Lord, may we, <laughs> that verse, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. May we continue to grow in grasping that, what that means, okay, that we are dead to sin, and yet sin still seems to be very much alive towards us, Lord, and that can be so frustrating. But may we grow uh, in our knowledge of what that means, and may we long for, uh, no, yeah, may we trust in the power for today. May we long for the time when uh, sin is no longer even in the picture the presence of sin has been defeated or didn't say that right Lord because I know it's already been defeated but that hasn't been consummated yet now Lord I'm getting confusing even in my own prayer uh, but uh, anyway Lord uh, may may we grasp this idea and may it uh, uh, help us with our life as we get two hands on this we live in the flesh we live by your spirit may that uh, make some more sense to us I pray in your name amen let's stand and sing You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.